This podcast you're about to listen to is an account of a tragedy which befell two podcasters, in particular, the Boo and Dean. It is all the more tragic that they were dumb and they watched this film. But if they had lived very long lives and watched many, many more bad horror films, they would not be prepared for the events that they are about to discuss to you in this podcast of the bizarre annals of American cinema. This is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, and this is The Film Club. Wow. I did that in one take. I feel good. That was a great opener. I didn't know you were going to do that today. I I winged it. I really hope it doesn't sound like shit, but uh, yeah. But I think that's going to be the only great thing about this episode, because wow, this movie hurt to watch. It also hurt to record. This is the third time we've started. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty normal. Sometimes... We'll record like maybe 10, 15 minutes and we're like, oh, that's not the route we want to go or, you know, let me collect my thoughts a little bit better. But no, this has just been... We had a whole episode we scrapped because, wow, this movie is something else. Oh, yeah. On that note, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast. I'm Dean. I'm the Boo. And, uh, yeah, we're talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, Starring Matthew McConaughey, uh, Renee Zellweger. I swear I'm not making this up, people. Yeah, I was very surprised learning about this cast list and the name change. It's Next Generation, a Sex Chainsaw Massacre Part 4. It's the return of the, the Texas return. Chainsaw Massacre. Also, its release is all over the place because... It gets released in, like, 95 at a festival, and then it's shelled for two years, and then it's released in 97 when Renee Zellweger and McConaughey get their big breaks as mainstream actors. But it was still sitting on a shelf even after that, right? Because it got released in a theater for, like, a month. And then it went, like, direct-to-video, I think. Yeah, and there's still, like, three cuts of the fucking movie. Oh, we're not watching all three. Oh, God, mm. no. God, no. One of them's nine minutes longer. Oh, and this no. is not even a long movie. I think this movie is less than 80, 80 uh, it's less than 90 minutes. It's this like, movie felt like it went on for days. And okay. we watched Once Upon a Time in America that went on when the sun was out, and when I was finished, the sun was setting. It, yes, that is a four-hour movie. But Next Generation, like, the first hour of this felt like it took forever. Oh, yeah. And then, the, but the last 30 minutes, I was like, you're going way too fast for me, bro. You're... You're aliens, or you're not. You're aluminum. What now? And then it just ends, and I'm like, I, I didn't. Wasn't get- fast enough for me. It oh. was just like, okay, we're at the part with the Illuminati. <laughs> we, uh, Vilmer's trying to kill himself. Vilmer's um, doing the um. Oh God, what are they called? The uh, Tuscan Raider call of battle. Yeah, I remember you had warned me a couple episodes back. He's gonna do this, and forgot when I was watching the movie, and then I saw it happen. I'm like. Good lord, what am I watching? Okay, okay. The last time I have seen this movie has to have been like 10 years ago. Like, has to have been. Because I remember him doing the jackass. Like, I remember Matthew McConaughey's in here and is crazy. Mm-hmm. And Renee Zellweger is in here and she's like the final girl. Yeah. I didn't remember anything else about this movie. Like, I kind of remembered mm-hmm. Leatherface in a dress, but I'm like, oh, that's like a scene or something like that. And I kind of remember there being, like, this realtor lady, but I thought she was, like, a victim. But, yeah, this this movie, I think I think it's, like, the thing with, like, you know, severe trauma in your childhood where you block out 
dark memories. I well, think yes. I, I think I blocked that is out. True. I think I blocked out this movie. <laughs> yes, it happens. <laughs> so, uh, have you ever even heard of this movie before? Have you no, like seen it? Anything no, about it? I hadn't heard anything. Hadn't seen anything about it. Uh, again, this is our last installment of our Texas Chainsaw Massacre month. So, like at the start of this. I just stayed with the first one. I had seen the remake in the early 2000s with Jessica Biel and other people, other people in the cast. And I was kind of like, no, I'm going to stick firmly with the original film because that's a masterpiece. It's perfect. It's a, yeah, the first one's super rough, but it goes with it being... With a, its theme. Yeah, it's, the first one is a masterpiece, super su- suspenseful. It feels I think very, it's scary. It, it's scary. It feels very, uh, it feels very much like a documentary. Yeah, yeah, with how grainy and everything's, like, lit in the day, mm-hmm. and it seems so shoddily made, the first one does, and it's still the best one in the series by yeah, far. it adds to the ambiance of the movie, because that's how it feels, you know, it's the 70s, and it could just be some kids recording their trip across Texas over the summer, and then unfortunate events happen. That's not this movie at all. No, this movie is just... I don't want to be rude, but it's just a jumbled mess. That's something that has happened across the board in our podcasting. You're very forgiving of movies, even, you know, for all their shortcomings, you know? Yeah. comes down, did I have fun with the movie or did I not have fun with the movie? And I'm usually a little bit more cynical about it. I'm like, well, the movie has to, like, at least be good enough. You mean, it's kino, boo. It's It's kino. You you don't understand cinema. It's it's cinema. That's like 99% of our conversations. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm a little bit more cynical about this. And don't get me wrong, this movie's bad. It's real bad. But I think it's bad with a point. I think this this person was trying to make art and made made an abomination. But it is a, a beautiful mess. And I'm going to allow you to go spiral and go down the rabbit hole because I know you're just itching to do it. Oh, I, I on the to. other hand, feel like it's just a bad movie. I mean, I feel like they should have just maybe stuck to... One theme or maybe two themes, but in this movie, it's just like, you know, we're pulling stuff out of the hat. All right, that sounds interesting. Let's throw it in there. Well, I think it is one theme. It's just they are playing, like you said, rabbit out of the hat. They're just like, my hat, you know, this is all the themes, and I'm just going to pull random shit out to make some scenes, and we'll figure it the fuck out. But, oof. Big oof. One of those themes being, oh, someone threw a rock through my office building. Let me go flash them. Okay, that's not a theme. That's just a thing that happens in the movie. But it makes no sense. I will give you. It makes no sense why she flashes tits. Which, also, by the way, everyone, first set of boobs in the movie. Uh, In the franchise, even. Yeah, that shocked me. Because this is a slasher franchise. Which one of my big, big, big issues in this movie is. There's no slashing. There's no chainsaw. In Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Return... The Revenge, whatever the hell you want to call this movie. Does Leatherface only kill one person in the whole film? Does he only kill Barry? Does Vilmer kill everyone else? I think so. None of them even with a chainsaw. No, no chainsaw. Ridiculous. No slashing. Okay. Just a hammer, uh, strangulation. (laughs) Okay. Setting people on fire. (laughs) We gotta tell people what the fuck this movie's about. You tell them. Okay, stop me if you've heard of this before. We have four teenagers at prom, one of them acts like a dick, and then they travel off into the backwoods of Texas. Then they get trapped in the middle of nowhere after a car accident, and then 
they go and wander around the woods at night. And any of this sound familiar yet? Any of this? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and as they're traveling, one of them stays behind to watch the car. And then the rest go to this realtor's office. And this realtor is like, I'll call my, my boyfriend to pick you up. He runs a tow truck. And then breakthrough glass and tits happen. And the boyfriend that shows up to pick up the car, that's fucking Matthew McConaughey. I've seen this guy before. He's famous. And then he kills the, the guy. Then the rest of them come back, looking for where the fuck's our friend. Then they find this abandoned house. Fun. We love abandoned houses. Sure. Sure. I mean, maybe me more than you, but sure. Sure. And they go in, and then Leatherface appears. Leatherface captures Heather? Question? Is that her? Heather? Heather, Heather yeah. Captures Heather, mimicking the, uh, the scene where, you know, they capture what's-her-face from the first movie, drag her through, but it's Sally. now- Sally. Sally. No, Sally's the, the one who lived, right? Oh, yeah, Sally is the one that lived. So the, the other girl. The other, the hot pants girl. Yeah, hot pulls pants. Pulls her in, and then this becomes a parody of that scene. Because she breaks free of Leatherface, like, four times. And then he, like, throws her into the fridge, and he closes the door. And then she pops out and screams, and does that, like, three or four times. And then she's, like, trapped in there. And then Barry comes in, and then he, he hooks Barry? Does Barry get hooked? I forget how Barry or, dies. Or, no, no, Barry gets hammered, and then he gets hooked. Yeah, Barry gets a hammer to the head, just like, um... Kirk? Kirk. Yeah. And this is all after the other brother, W.E., is... Not W.W.E. D not W.W.E. This... Not, not W.C. Fields, just W.E. This is W.C.W. Is wandering, is wandering around outside with a shotgun trying to keep them kids off his, off his property. Quoting his story... He quotes Ulysses S. Grant? In the beginning, yeah, but he's... I don't know what he is. He just quotes a lot of historical figures. And it's just like, who cares? <laughs> it's like, I don't care. You know, if I want to read a book about quotes, I have many at home. I don't want to hear you spouting off to be or not to be. That is the question. Am I going to kill you? And it's like, well, you know, at this rate, while you're quoting somebody, I could just run away into the woods. It is so weird. Because is that character development? Is that supposed to be his, his shtick? Is that just bad writing? What, why is he doing that? I mean, he's only there for so long in the movie before Vilmer kills him at dinner. No, he's in the movie a while. That's like a he, hour? He's in there for a while, but then he's just killed off at dinner. And it's like, so what was the purpose of this guy? Just another body at the table? I Honestly, that's the other thing. He's the weak league of the family, right? Because mm -hmm. he doesn't do anything. No. Walks around with a shotgun, lets Barry go in the house. Barry takes a piss in the house. Mm -hmm. Which, I have a question, Boo. How bad do, would you need to have to go to just say, this abandoned house where a gentleman just had me at gunpoint? I can definitely take a, a peaceful leak in here after locking him out. Well, not to brag, but my bladder's pretty good, so I think I'd be okay and wouldn't be in the abandoned house with the cannibals. Mm. You, on the other hand, I feel like you'd still go in and use their restroom and then thank them on your way out. I mean, I think that's the problem. Barry was too much of a dick. He is the dick character, after all. Barry needed to die, like, two <laughs> minutes into the movie. Okay. I know we kind of just, like, sped run into, like, when things happened, but it takes a while for things to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because them, like, 
at the prom, going into the woods. The prom that we don't get to see, we just... They rented out, like, a building, and we're like, we're gonna just put prom posters and have a couple people dressed up. But we can't film inside the building. We can only film, really, in, like, the archways outside. Or we don't have the money to dress the inside of the building or the actors, so... We could afford a couple of gowns and a, and a table where you collect the tickets. Why is the opening of this movie look so, so shoddy? I don't know. But I don't think you mentioned who made the movie. Because ah. this does tie back to the first film. Yes, yes. Because, like, it's pretty open that this feels like a carbon copy of the first movie. I think that's why I was saying, you know, stop me if you heard this before. Well, Rupa I mean, it's, teams, it's very in the woods, meta. Very meta. And the person who directed this is actually the original writer of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the very, very first film. Is uh, he writer or co-writer? A co-writer. It's like story and writer. So I think Toby Hooper came up with a story and he wrote it or it was the other way around. But mm -hmm. I believe they both, like, they have hands on the script. Yeah. Uh, and that is Kim Henkel. And this, I believe, is his only film he has ever directed. Don't want to be rude, but yeah. Yeah, this would not be a great resume builder. No, it wouldn't. And, like, don't get me wrong, like, I got a little bit of, a little bit of leeway with the guy, because he wanted to make a, he wanted his Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Yeah. Toby Hooper, he got to make a sequel. Mm -hmm. He got to lean into the black comedy he got to lead into, like, more of the stuff he wanted to do, a little bit gorier, you know, bombastic. He he got to make his Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And give it, like, an 80s kind of vibe. Yeah, well, he made it super, like, of the time. Yeah. Like, that Texas Chainsaw 2 cannot exist anywhere but 1985. Yeah. Whereas Next Generation, he wanted to get his sequel out. He wants to make his movie, and he's doing this satire commentary of the horror genre and he scrapes together 600 grand to make the movie which now that i mentioned 600 grand budget that's a this it looks like a six hundred thousand dollar movie Are, I, I don't know I, I was thinking maybe less i i mean it's a little bit better than, like, a made-for-TV movie from the same era. Like, this movie comes out in, like, 95. I would say this looks a little bit better than than a made-for-TV movie. A little bit, but I think it could have been a little bit better. Well, uh, this could have been a lot better. No, but this I This had mean, room to go, and it would just but be I mean, mediocre. With, but with that budget, you could have made things look a little bit more realistic. I don't even know if the, uh, do you mean like the effects or do you mean just like the overall like design of the film? Yes. Ah, it pretty, this movie has a pretty low bar on both. Yeah. Yeah. But Kim Henkel makes this and throughout the movie, it really does feel like this is a beat for beat remake of the original. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why he would want to do that other than... Him and Toby Hooper had a falling out when they were making the first one. And he was like, ah, I didn't get my movie on screen. Now I want to make my Texas Chainsaw movie. I mean, you've worked on plenty of films and it's easy to butt heads creatively. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, that could be a thing where maybe he wanted to go a certain way. And Toby Hooper was like, no, you know, I'm the director. Let me do it my way. And he was like, you know, finally, 
decades later, I get to do it my way, and it's just like, bro, don't do it. Uh, and and also, it's it's nineteen ninety five when he's he originally releases this in South by Southwest. That is twenty ish years, twenty one years from the from the first one, the original, yeah, seventy four, and this is the fourth movie in that franchise. The franchise was dead. Yeah. I don't know why somebody would greenlit that greenlight this. I mean, I guess it was like self-financed a little bit, but I can't imagine he was able to talk a lot of people into being like, "Hey, I'm going to make this super meta like Leatherface movie and it's going to be ridiculous and the Illuminati's going to show up in the last 30 minutes. You can you give me like 30 grand to to get this?" But it's going to harken back to 74. You remember 74 when the movie took over the world? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, "Okay, and I was just like, no, no, don't do it. Yeah, but as the movie goes on, because that opening bit we're talking about, it up until like the first like kills, right? Because it's it a long way. It's a long way. It's like 30 plus minutes, maybe 45 before we get a first kill in the movie. At least that's what it feels like. Probably about 45 minutes until we get a chainsaw. Maybe 50 Probably 50, because I think that's when Jenny, Renee Zellweger's character, who's mm. supposed to be this, like, nerdy... She's the uh, Sally character. Yeah, she's she's supposed to be the Sally she's character. She's the new final girl of the movie, and... Uh, and Barry dogs on her the entire time they're on screen together. And it's this whole thing of, you know, oh, you don't know how to use your body... Oh, who you're would, so ugly. Who would like you? And then she takes off her glasses like, my God, she's beautiful. It's like, really? We're going to hash over the same, you know, this, reveal. This same trope that has been in cinema since like the 60s. Mm-hmm. Actually, probably even before that. Probably far before that. But it's Renee Zellweger and it's just Renee Zellweger. Yeah. You know, you look up young Renee Zellweger and put a pair of like thick rim Buddy Holly glasses on her. And that's just what she looks like. Yeah. And, you know, Barry's like, you're a fucking dog. Man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stick my wick in you if they paid me. And I'm like, bruh, she's like, yeah, okay, like her and Heather, I could definitely see them hanging out in the same, like, friend group. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, like, that far apart. You know, like I said in the previous scrapped episode, Barry needed a chainsaw up the ass because he was a rude motherfucker. Super dogging rude. on women, dogging on everybody, but especially women, you know, oh, screw you, woman, go do this, or, you know, get the fuck <laughs> off of me. And I'm just like, bro, get out of here. Oh, great. Your, your name's Barry. You're wearing the, you know, ruffled prom shirt. Like, get out of here. Also, the prom get up thing because i i kind of get it like thematically mm-hmm. where it's oh it's the prom it's these kids going yeah. from it's like the kids last hurrah before they have to be ushered into like the real world like yeah. real adulthood like that's like that symbolic thing of like mm-hmm. prom right but it's like never really used in that way no. like they could have just been Kids traveling home from anything, homecoming game, could be traveling home, could be traveling across the country to, like, see relatives for all we fucking care. It could have been kids coming back from a concert. Yeah, exactly. Actually, that's what the fucking remake does. They're going to a Leonard Skinner, they just got back from a holiday in Mexico, and they're going to a Skinner concert in, like, East Texas. But in this, 
Like, the prom thing is completely superfluous. It's just to get Renee Zellweger in a prom dress and running around the woods in the dark. In a white prom dress that they can, you know, just destroy with mud, blood, whatever. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, her, like, quivering in the dark with all the, with the dark lighting and the, and the smoke coming up, it's a little, it's atmospheric. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's an atmospheric look, and I'm like, okay, I can get why this as a visual thing you would want. Yeah. But... What? Seen it better. Seen it, yeah, I've seen it better. It's like, you know, if I want an atmospheric look of the woods, I'll go with the Evil Dead. Yeah. Because, I mean, good. if you if you want to make me afraid of my surroundings, not just the people in my surroundings, Sam Raimi did it. Yeah, he made he made the woods very scary in mm-hmm. Evil Dead. And, and also, when they're driving out into the woods, and I know I'm rehashing all the bullet points I kind of sped run through, but then they just get hit by a car. Yeah, out of nowhere. That was another gripe of ours, that they never explained why this kid was speeding through the woods, not, you know, we show, you know, a replay or playback of this kid being chased by Vilmer or by Leatherface. He just randomly crashes into them. Yeah, and I thought that was going to come up where it's like, oh, he's running from the, the, the family or he's a part of the family and he's like the crash test dummy, mm-hmm. you know. But no, he's just some rando. I don't in the middle they... of the woods. Yeah, and it's like a one-lane road in the middle of the woods, and he T-bones them. What was his name? Remember we looked oh, up his name oh, on IMDb? yes, yes. This is your, your favorite character My in all of cinema. My favorite character, yes. I'm not hurt. Yes. By <laughs> Vince Brock. That is the most amazing character name I've ever heard of. Vince Brock is is a thespian among thespians. He is a, a artist... Among, among finger painters. I think he might be one of the greatest actors of this or any generation. I believe so, yes. And I'm Not Heard is the pinnacle, the pinnacle of his powers. Yes. And he plays an unconscious driver to excellence. Yes. I, not since Brisson I've seen somebody bring such a great performance out of an actor. I think we should give him a, a theater clap. I really hope that picked up on Mike. It might not have, but but, um, but you know you can just imagine it. But that's like the, that's how shoddy this this kind of is. Yeah. Where? Well, there's we, another character named Woman Eating Chocolates. I don't oh, even I don't even remember that happening. That had to have been a prom girl or a prom. Uh, no, that was the lady who was taking tickets at the at the prom. Sorry, I just brought up the fucking IMDb to check names, and we got some we got some good ones. We have. Girl in red dress. Ooh, heckler. Heckler. That's solid. It, this this is just funny. I just think this is funny to me. Yeah. That, because I've written scripts before, and yeah, sometimes where you're like, this character is in one scene, he doesn't have like, any characterization. Yeah. He's just, oh, I, he guy that hits the car. Mm-hmm. You can just call him Ted. That's less, that's less letters on paper then I'm not hurt. Or driver. <laughs> or driver. I mean, it's probably an inside joke. I think that's the problem with this movie. The movie is trying to be this really in-jokey, meta-horror film that none of the jokes are landing. No. I could see this movie working if somebody like, uh, I don't know, actually like Sam Raimi you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think a Sam Raimi would, the movie would have looked better if Sam Raimi took it. I think David Lynch would have made a really interesting thing out of this script. I think that's what you had said after we watched the movie, that you felt like uh, Kim, what's his last name? 
Oh, oh uh, uh, Henkel. Kim Henkel. That you felt like he was trying to go the David Lynch route of creating this film. And it's like, yeah, I could kind of see it, but it, it David feels... Lynch really pushes the boundaries. Yeah, well, the thing is with, like, most Lynch films, I mean, we watched Racerhead together. I we've Twin Peaks, Twin Fire Peaks, Walk Fire Walk With Me. She is really good at taking a idea or a thought or a theme and just stretching it and moving it around. And he drops them into these really weird and abstract worlds that shouldn't make sense. Yeah. And makes it compelling. And that's kind of what Hankel's doing. Because all the kids are like straight out of the worst B slasher films you can think of. Yeah. All of them. The villains are all way over the top in a completely different movie acting in, in some macabre theater and then when Rothman shows up, the Illuminati shows up, that's some, like, metal level that's talking about, like, Curse on Michael Myers, or Freddy's dead, or shit like that. And I'm like, if Lynch took this, I could see this working. But even then, this feels like Kim Hangel wrote this movie after he marathoned Twin Peaks and was like, fuck it, I'm gonna do that. I, that's what I feel this is. And my opinion on this, no, no. Tw Twin Peaks is the reason it's Twin Peaks. You can't, Twin Peaks is good. You can't just recreate it and, ooh, okay, we'll set Leatherface in the, the town of Twin Peaks. Like, no. And, and honestly, I think that's why The Return works so well. I know you hate The Return, but The Return is great because it, it goes so far away from the original two I seasons. I don't hate it. It just, it goes super quiet, like, uh, 2001. And it's just, it's a lot of artistry and it's just like i just want to see um coop i, I want to see coop be coop and i want to see the gang reunited and not you know okay we're in this beautiful black and white scene and he's floating through space and it's just quiet for like 10 15 minutes like no i want to <laughs> see coop getting a slice of pie and a damn fine cup of coffee i i love that because that that sums up our entire film conversations it was like, I want Coop eating a slice of pie and coffee. And I'm like, I want Coop floating in the nether. And I want to watch that for 20 minutes. Hey, after we went to go see Firewalk with me at the Frida, I think you were more than happy to go with me to Dunkin' and get coffee and donuts and just sit there and just Twin Peaks. bask in Tw the Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks puts you in the mood for coffee and donuts. It is, it is like a drug for that. Yes. But back to the movie. But that, but that's the thing. That's how it feels. It's like he's making, he's remaking Texas Chance of Massacre. He's throwing a lot of Twin Peaks over it, or Lynchian, I, a Lynchian ways about it because yeah. it's a meta commentary, and a lot of people feel that's what Twin Peaks is. It's a meta commentary mm -hmm. of soap operas in the television culture, and that's what this kind of is. And then he's still trying to go a step beyond that and and try and respond to toby hooper's black comedy of texas chainsaw 2 yeah and it's a lot of things going on and it just doesn't come together as a good movie no it's like i said earlier it's really just a mess and i know you really sat through it and deciphered it and you're like oh i can see the artistry that he was trying to and for me it just felt like eh. just could not keep you there for the 90 minute run 80 something minute run time no it was just like, okay, you know, McConaughey, he's great. He's chewing the scenery. He's going full Nick Cage. Full full Cage, full Nicholson. 
And it's just like, uh, I mean, great, but just like not enough to keep me enticed in the movie. I understand. The mo- uh, Where were we? I think the movie, we had just gotten to like Barry's dead, Heather's trapped up, and it's just Jenny wandering around the woods for like another 20 minutes before she gets capped. Well, I mean, she's captured so many times. Yes, they have her jumping. She jumps off the roof. Which is pulling a Sally. Yeah. Because, I mean, they do the full chase through the house, just like Sally with Leatherface. I think he's even... Is he wearing the grandma getup or is he wearing the yellow apron? I think he's in the yellow apron. He doesn't wear... No. He's in the... He's... Okay, he's in the yellow apron the first time he chases her. Then he's in the grandma getup the second time he chases her. (laughs) And then he's in the 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 Leatherface evening gown of the, the summer collection. The, the lady face. The lady face in the third chase. Yeah, she gets chased three times and each one is trying to top itself in the last one. Yeah, because with Heather, she has the most meta capture. She he's wearing the the leather uh, apron. Yeah. He pulls her into the house the same way that Hot Pants gets pulled in. The first one, the iconic... Like, yeah, the Gunner that- Hansen once her, she runs out, she can't... She doesn't even make it off the steps before Han- Gunner Hansen swoops her up and pulls her back into the house. And I mean, it's such a striking image that he's got her with one arm and she's got hands out and feet out, just like... Flailing around, like she she's can't falling, get loose. And it's just like, you know, with his brute strength, he's got her with one arm. And it's just like, that's horrifying being pulled into a house. So we get that again. And it's like, oh, cool. We're getting that. Oh, cool. He's going to throw her in the freezer. Oh, cool. He's going to put her on the meat hook. And, you know, it's hearkening back to 74. And it's just like, no. It's playing itself for laughs. It's. Yeah. I think that scene is making fun of itself where that, that's why I think it's such a meta commentary. It's making fun of itself saying, hey, you remember this thing from the first movie? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like. Yeah, you know, of course, you know, Leatherface is big and strong, but this is a grown woman. She'd be able to worm her way a little bit. He's only holding on her with one arm. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Then he throws her into the into the fridge, and it's like, oh, she just pops right out because there's no lock on the fridge. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. And then it's like, oh, hooks her, or hooks um Barry up on the meat hook, and he just kind of like, doesn't he almost like, doesn't he like fall off? No, he hooks Heather on and she like falls off. She's, like, wiggling around, so I think she manages to get herself off. Which is, like, Ouch, but, yeah. It's like, you know, you have that bar ahead of you, you just grab onto the bar and maybe do a pull-up and... I wanna... Okay, Boo, I don't know about you, but I don't think I could... I could reform a a sick pull-up with a a 12-inch hook in my spine. I don't know. I mean, if you want to get out of that house, you might try it. True, true. But... (laughs) But that's the thing. She gets loose, and Jenny's running away, and Jenny gets runs all the way back to the realtor's office, which I don't know if it's, like, a mile away from the house or if it's ten miles away from the house. It's never clear. It's not clear, but they all kind of estimate that they walked about a mile away from the car accident. Okay. So if it's like that, then the house has to only be, like, maybe two, three miles in the other direction? Yeah, I mean, they're in the middle of the woods, so who knows how far away... The realtor office and the houses. Yeah. Especially it's... with, you know, being able to run through the trees, you should be able to get there a little bit faster. Well, I'm just I'm just saying because the geography of the film doesn't make a lot of sense. No. Because she gets Jenny gets back to the realtor's office after Barry gets God and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And the realtor uh Dana? Darla. Yeah, Darla. Darla? Darla. Darla. 
One more time. Darla? Darla. They, Darla and Vilmer capture her, and they're, and Darla just throws her in the back of the fucking trunk. Yeah. Right? And just, like, locks him, locks her up and be like, alright, honey, I'm, we're gonna take you to the house, but I'm gonna go get pizza first. And tells W.E., you know, oh, make sure everything's all taken care of by the time I get back. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want Vilmer to yell at me. And that's when, again, the geography of this gets weird. Yeah. Because she's able to just drive into a city, like a real city with a highway, and there's police officers, and there's kids running around on their bikes, and there's a Walmart in the background, and she's at Bud's Burgers? I think so. And the and she orders pizza, and there's a vegetarian pizza in there, which, what the fuck? And well, I mean, you know, all that barbecue all the time, it's not good for the cholesterol. You gotta order a veggie pizza every now and then. I just, wait a minute, I just realized, are they not cannibals in this? Well, we have a dinner scene, but I don't think we see anybody eating, because they're eating pizza. Yeah, I think... Are they not they're, even cannibals in this? Maybe they're trying to eat healthier for this film. For the kids. Yes. Of course. For the 90s kids. For the 90s kids. Which would be us. Of course. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, if, you, if you were a small child and your parents let you watch this, um, they made a mistake. But she orders pizza. They should have let you watch 74 instead. God, no. Don't let don't let your children watch that movie. <laughs> that movie is, is horrifying. So they they get the fucking pizza. They get back to the house. They find Heather after she's escaped. Take her ass back. And uh, again, Heather, you're my fucking hero. Like, you you got this. I mean, Heather just takes a beating in this film. A lot of these things that happened to her, she should have just died right away. And it's like, no, let's see how many more things we could do to this poor girl. She gets she gets beaten. Yeah. She gets um, stabbed. Meat hooked. She gets meat hooked. She gets set on fire. Um, does she get shot by the shotgun? I don't remember, but she's in the first car crash. Oh, yeah, she's in the car crash, and she she makes note that it fucked up her, her forehead. Well, she's got that little gash on her nose, too. So yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, she probably hit the steering wheel. Is is she just a conduit of pain for this movie? All the pain that all the other characters... that Usually in, like, a horror movie, you know, all the characters get hurt a little bit, mm-hmm. and then they die. But since everybody else in the movie got, like, killed right away, is she just getting all the, like, gruesome bullshit that would usually be spread amongst, like, a cast of eight characters? I mean, they treated this poor girl like the the crash dummy. Yeah. Let's see what else, you know, we could put her through. Oh, okay, let's put her in a cannon and, you know, shoot her across the field. Okay. And honestly, the actress who's playing Heather, uh, Lisa Marie Newmeyer? Newmeyer, yeah. She honestly strikes me as, like, the perfect kind of person to be in these horror movies because yeah she's not i i'm pretty sure the bad acting's on purpose i'm pretty sure yeah i mean i did love that she was driving very crazy the entire time that he was you know alive made made her the best character in the movie barry can you get me a water like Mm. i'm fucking dying here (laughs) also why does she have like this valley girl accent when she's supposed to be from like central texas or like i think she's supposed to be in like east texas right i mean maybe valley girl came out that year maybe maybe it did who knows because we're we're not sure you know what 
year it is in the film. It's a, I think it's supposed to be contemporaneously, like 95 So, yeah, you know, maybe she's influenced by the films and the shows she's seen on TV. And we're going to go the very Valley Girl way. Right? Or she'd be a Visco girl now. Totally. What's a Visco girl? I'll explain it to you later. Oh, God. This is, that's that's going to be a weird conversation, isn't it? No, nah, you'll just think it's funny. Uh, well, all right then. So... They bring her home, and they they have the dinner scene, right? This is after McConaughey does all the coke that Hollywood could provide him on a $600,000 budget. And all right, all right, goes all right. fucking insane. He he starts spitting on Renee Zellweger. He takes his, like, two fingers and shoves them into her mouth. Isn't and, that, like, like a, a double fish hook? Yeah, he starts fucking fish hooking Renee Zellweger, and it's not like a trick shot or a gag. He's just doing this to her, and Renee Zellweger looks like, "What the fuck are you doing, Matt? What? Why?" I may remember this conversation we had in the car, and you're like, "Do you think he asked for permission, or he just stuck his fingers?" And I'm like, "No, I think he asked her permission first. You know, hey, can I do this? Or maybe it was written into the script. Because I mean, just to do that, I'd either you know bite the person's fingers." And be like, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're like, I'm a professional. I'm not getting mouth banged by your fingers here. This was not written in the script. You're not supposed to stick your fingers in my mouth. Oh, uh, I mean, let alone she gets her face licked by the Illuminati, like, oh, yeah. 30 minutes later. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Because they have, like, the dinner scene, and Vilmer, Matthew McConaughey's going insane, and then the Illuminati guy shows up. And it's the first time we see Vilmer actually afraid of anybody. Yeah. And the Rothman character, what the fuck is he? I don't know. What the fuck is those three piercings on his stomach? Like, what is that? With the weird, like, ritual scarring going yeah, on. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know what's happening. Then also he... his hair. His yeah. hair doesn't look right. Yeah. It looks like a wig, but I can tell that it's it's his hair. It looks like they shaved it in a way so his real hair looked like a cheap wig. Is that the Illuminati way? I think it is. Is he an alien? I don't know. Oh, God. So, what? Was this, like, just an X-Files thing? Because it's... Like I said, just pulling stuff out of the hat. Boom. X-Files. Yes. <laughs> Let's make this a sci-fi horror comedy slasher thriller. Drama. Romance. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's so weird. Because he comes in and just licks Renee Zellweger's face like she is like the last rib on the rack. And, ooh, it is really uncomfortable. Yeah, especially seeing how they made the film and how everyone was basically sharing a Winnebago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, oh yeah, the front was like the hair and makeup and I guess you could rest in the back or change... Like, yeah, so I've had, you know, if I was her, you know, fingers in my mouth and someone licked my face. And she's there's... also been crawling around the ground for, like, days at that point. It's like, there's not enough Purell soap and water in this world to make my face feel normal <laughs> and not untainted by germs. Could you imagine Renee Zellweger still gets weirded out around Matthew McConaughey? They go to the Oscars, see each other from across the room, and he's <laughs> like, Hi there, darling. And Renee Zellweger's like, oh, oh his hands... <laughs> I still have nightmares about those fingers. <laughs> oh. I think that'd be more me than her. Because <laughs> I don't know if she's a germaphobe, but yeah. Jesus. Oh, man. 
But that's like basically because the thinking mo- about that gave me the chills. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. To keep those fingers away from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Rothman shows up. It's revealed. It's all an Illuminati conspiracy. All these movies are done because of you know the Illuminati. They're hired by the Illuminati to do these killings. Yeah, and... because they want to bring back horror. Horror, bring back the evil, the terror. Which is like okay. I mean, I thought he was cutting like a good WWE promo. Honestly, if they had Jake the Snake Roberts in this role, it would have been different. I th- I think they could have gotten the Oscar. <laughs> but then Jenny escapes, and then she again again. This is the final time she escapes. She escapes and she runs off, and Leatherface and Vilma are chasing her, and again in the middle of this empty field. Yeah. Uh, at least it's daytime. At though. least it's daytime. Daytime's finally come. An RV rolls by, and it's this lovely older couple just pounding back Bloody Marys. I mean, these are the biggest Bloody Marys I've ever seen outside of like a resort. Actually, that's a good way to describe them. You you know those like beer bones that you get at like um, football games, soccer games, mm-hmm. whatever, and they're like you know a foot tall with big old like bowl things on the bottom and top. They make those, but it's just giant Bloody Marys. And they're both just Well, I mean, let alone, down. you know, Grandpa's driving the RV. And Grandma comes out of the back and goes, Honey, I made her a drink. So she's, you know, double fisting these mile-long Bloody Marys. And, you know, she comes and sits down. And the two of them are just drinking on the country road at, like, uh, I'm trying to think when the sun would go up. So 7 in the morning? Yeah. 6.30 in the morning? Jesus. And then, and then Renee Zellweger runs out and starts trying to wave him down. And she's like... Oh no, Granddaddy! Don't don't stop for that crazy bitch! And oh th- no, there's a monster chasing her. Get her! Exactly. Then Leatherface comes out with a chainsaw dressed in drag, and she's like, "Oh God, no, lady, get the fuck in here! I thought you were just some crazy person. You're being chased by the crazy people." And then, you know, you're like, "Oh, okay, that's it. That's the end of the movie." Because mm-hmm. that's traditionally that would be like the end of most of these chainsaw movies, right? He's going to run off into the sunrise. Yeah, and they're going to be like, oh no, and we're going to get the Leatherface dance. But, but oh no. That's when Vilmer comes out with the tow truck. Yes. And he doesn't ram the RV to like make it flip. He just has Leatherface kind of brush against the side with the chainsaw and he just kind of, then the RV just kind of rolls over a few times. Yeah. I think that was a drunk driving incident. I mean, that is a lot of alcohol to consume. Who knows if they'd been drinking prior to the the Mile High Bloody Mary that they were having. I imagine that uh, grand, like, Grandma went to sleep and Granddad was like, I'm just going to drive us through these roads. It'll be fine. I got, you know, uh, I got some Willie Nelson on the radio and a 24-pack of beer next to me and I'll just drive through the night. And then, you know, finishes the 24-pack. I, th- I think... This might have been a, a case where um, drunk driving does kill. But it so, didn't kill when it Elwager. So now this movie has turned into part PSA. Part PSA. Just a small part. But, you know, Jenny pops right out. Totally fine. Yeah. I, Leaves the two of them. I assume they're dead. Yeah, I mean, drinking and driving. Drinking and driving. It's a slippery road. And then Vilmer and Leatherface start circling her like, a, like fucking sharks. And... Then she manages to, like, slip away just enough for a crop-dusting plane to come out of nowhere. And or Illuminati plane. Or, or the Illuminati plane, yes. 
Because it just comes after Vilmer. It just, it, yeah. It, and it clips him, and then they take off. Is this a North by Northwest um, <sighs> reference? Well, I mean, you know, we've had Lynchian, now we have Hitchcockian. Sure. All the Ians are in all, it. All the Ians. And it kills Vilmer, and then Rothman shows up, the Illuminati guy, and he's and he's like, Come with me if you want to live. Basically, gives her, gives her an Arnold. And she jumps in, and they drive off, and he's like, I'm so- Put the cookie down! Oh, God, get to the chopper! (laughs) And, (laughs) uh, I'm sorry, I was watching this, um, this reality show alone, and- You're welcome. uh, Thank you. And one of the seasons on Netflix, and it just has, like, a guy, and he's- they're, They're alone in the middle of the woods, and he's just trying to, like- you know, just survive. survive. And he's just talking to himself because he's like, I found no one to talk about. I'm bored. And I love the subtitle. It says in Arnold voice, get to the chopper. Yeah. I and remember I, when he says, I, that. I just love that Netflix has the forethought to put in the closed captioning brackets, Arnold voice brackets. I love because it, it's no, it's a Schwarzenegger joke. It's yeah, so but good. someone might get confused if they don't know that quote. They're thinking, oh, are they bringing in a chopper to rescue I, him? I would love to meet the human being that does not know the Arnold Schwarzenegger quote, "Get to the chopper." I would like to meet the the one person on planet Earth that does not know this. There's probably someone out there. Name one. Name one that's over ten. You can't well, name your two infant infant nephews. Well, I don't know everybody on this earth. So I'm saying there's someone I out there because they don't exist. Uh-huh. Back to the movie. So Rothman, he's in the car and he's like, "I'm so sorry, Jenny. This was supposed to be a spiritual experience. It was supposed to transcend the medium, but it's simply been an abject failure." And that right there is the director dropping all pretense and talking directly to the audience. And I felt just like Renee Zellweger. I was just like, fuck you, man. Like, you put me through all of this and no chainsaw? No chainsaws. No chainsaw kills. This is a horror movie. No chainsaw kills. <laughs> we got to see him break out some windows on the RV. That is the least bad thing about this movie. But the, I think that's the thing. The director openly admits in the film itself this is supposed to be a transcendent experience, but it's just kind of shit. Yeah. And then it ends with Jenny at the hospital being talked to by a EMT and... Or he's a deputy. Or, yeah, being talked to by a deputy saying, don't worry, honey, we'll get them. It's all over now. As Marilyn Burns is pushed through the hospital by um, the actor who played Francis in the first one. It's just... It's it's literally the characters from the first movie just walking by Jenny. Yeah, the deputy is the the grandpa in the first movie, and then you have uh, oh, Francis. Fr- no, it's Franklin. Franklin. We, we didn't go. even talk about the grandpa in this movie, <sighs> which is I, I love him. Which, I love him so much. Which I didn't understand the whole premise with the grandpa in the first movie, where it's like, so is he like a vampire? You know, you feed him a little bit of blood, and he comes back. But in this movie, he gets, like, a whole new wardrobe change. He kind of looks like... Oh, God, Grandpa Munster. That's what I got from him. No, I was thinking, like, kind of like the trolls from Frozen. I don't know. So I was like, he doesn't look very vampiric. I, I just love that he's at the dinner scene. The dinner scene's happening. 
Then I think that, like, Leatherface starts yelling and Velma starts going crazy. And at first, you'll think he's just a dead body. Because there's, like, a, a whole family of tourists that are just de- yeah. dead at the table. And you think he's a dead body. And then he just gets up, grabs a knife, and just leaves. He just gets up, grabs, like, a knife, cuts a bit of pizza, and walks out of the scene and out of the movie. Well, Grandpa's had the, enough of their shit. I mean, how many family members does he have to get, you know, passed along to... How many more antics can he deal with? Wait, do you think that Leather every time Leatherface loses a loses a family, right? He picks up Granddad, and they have to bum around to the rest of the relatives. I guess. I mean, you burn through some of the family. It's like, all right, well, we need a new place to live and more people to care for us. So, Aunt and Uncle, I haven't seen you in like fifteen years. <laughs> Uncle Vilmer, how the <laughs> hell are you doing? We're moving in. Jesus. But yeah, so that's how the movie ends, and it's like super sequel baity. But I can't imagine I mean, anyone just... would want more of this version of Texas Chainsaw because we didn't even get into like Leatherface. No, and I mean having to sit through this movie to get the brief cameos at the end is not worth. Not even close. Or you know, getting through it to see him do the Leatherface uh, chainsaw dance, not worth. Yeah, because. This this Leatherface, because Leatherface has never been, like, the main villain of the franchise, but he's been the most, he's been the main icon of the franchise. Yeah, he's the icon, and I guess main villain, because he's the man with the chainsaw. Well, That's yeah, what but people hit- think of, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you think of Leatherface. I always feel like the family, like, the oh, hitchhikers, he's the actual one, like, killing definitely. people. They're the ones, like, propelling things. He's the muscle, kind Definitely, of but when people haven't seen the movies... And you just kind of go based off of the title. Everyone assumes it's Leatherface that's at the helm. When he he really isn't. He's the face of the franchise. Yeah. But is this Leatherface? No, this isn't Leatherface. I mean, I'm kind of a purist when it comes to my icons. So to see who he is in the first film and in this film where he's constantly screaming and kind of crying... And kind of, you know, being like this weak, weaker character. It's like, this isn't the Leatherface that we grew up with. This isn't even recognizable. No. Because he dresses up in like the gown and the in the woman's suit. And he's at, at like the hour mark, something like that. Yeah. And he's in it for the rest of the movie. And it feels like it's a joke on the icon, right? It's a joke on the character where it's like, oh, Leatherface, he's this weird you know androgynous like thing he he kills people and wears their flesh and it's like i love androgyny but i wasn't getting that and it was kind of confusing because it's like so what are we doing you know is this another ploy another trick that he's gonna use where maybe he pretends to be a woman and you know gentlemen try to console this crying woman and then he breaks out the chainsaw and you know slaughter and like that would be a cool concept but it's never really established what's going on yeah and it's a thing where it's been shown in previous films i I know at least the first one where he'll wear different faces and different like skin masks and that will make him act a different way but this is like borderline offensive to how how far it's going because he's in like heels and the gown and all this other stuff and I think that they're trying to play it for laughs. They're trying to get you to laugh yeah. at this character who's, it's like, is it is he transgender? Is he just crazy? Is he 
I he's was, just in drag. Is he just in drag? Is that just how he 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 rolls? Yeah, I, I didn't see why they need to pursue that because they didn't pursue it in a positive way. You know, okay, you know, maybe he's he wants to change. He wants to be something different. This is who he wants to be. Mm-hmm. It's just suddenly, this is what he you know this is who he is, and now he's you know really meek and. Renee Zellweger's character can tell him, you know, to shut up and sit down. And he just kind of, you know, oh, and sits in his chair. And it's just like, okay, so is Leatherface just gone? And he's now whoever this woman is. But then he chases her. With like, the chainsaw. With the chainsaw. And still cries and whines. And it's... It's just the thing where... Has Leatherface ever been... Has Leatherface ever been better than the first movie? Has, no. has Leatherface, has just the first movie been good? Have all of them just been bad except the first movie? Yes. <laughs> all right, everybody, we're here <laughs> to the roundup part now. Yeah, because, I mean, the Leatherface we have in the first film, huge guy, terrifying. We kind of get to see the complexity of he's not attacking people just to attack He's defending himself. He's defending himself because they're coming into his home. And let alone he's brutally murdering people that are coming into his home. But in the second movie, you know, he's air thrusting with the chainsaw and he's in love. And it's just like, okay, that doesn't make sense. But it's the 80s. A lot of things didn't make sense in the 80s. You're like, the movie is already being ridiculous. We'll roll with it. Whatever. Yeah. And then we get Leatherface in 90? In 90, yeah. Leatherface in Leatherface. Yeah, and he was kind of just bland in that movie. Yeah, he he was stepping into traditional slasher role, basically. That's that's what he was in the third movie. Yeah, he didn't really have a character. He was the slasher. Yeah, there was no personality to him. Just kill, and there he goes. And then in this movie, he changes a lot, but. It's not like you see the progression of his change. It's just a lot of screaming. And then, you know, suddenly he's in full drag and he's trying to be, I don't know, just another person in the family, maybe trying to, because I mean, Dana or Darla, I don't know. I don't know. Because I mean, he is like his, I think his mother, his mother or the grandma, because he's wearing the pearls and like the powdered wig, Uh the gray wig. So it's like, okay, I could see, you know, he's trying to maybe assimilate the character of the mother or the grandmother or the maternal. And then this one is just like, he's trying to have fun, I guess, but they don't really establish why. It's, he's crazy. That's probably why. Maybe, but it's like, you know, don't do it that way. Give some explanation. I mean, for icons, for me, it's like, it would be like taking Michael Myers out of the jumpsuit or it's like taking Michael Myers and dedicating 90 minutes of a two and a half hour movie to giving him a very deep and detailed backstory of his childhood. Yeah. Or it's like, no, the point of Michael Myers is you don't know anything about him. And that's what makes him scary. I think that's the thing with Leatherface. Like, the part... Actually, that's the thing with Texas Chance of Massacre. The part that makes this franchise scary, at least with the first one, is that they're just this weird backwoods hillbilly family that eats people and they're brutal but they're good at it because in the first movie you can tell this is the first group of teens they got yeah and for the most part they 
they won. Yeah, Sally got away, but she's destroyed. Yeah, she killed the hitchhiker. But, you know, the other ones are going to be there. They're still going to keep on going. Yeah. And that's, like, the thing. The family's the scary part. Leatherface isn't really the scary part. He's the muscle. Yeah, he's the muscle. Usually you have the cook character who's, like, the brains. And you have the hitchhiker who lures in the people. Lures in the people. And he's 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 the real fucking bad guy. Yeah, because... He's so charming, and you'd think, oh, you know, he's just being nice. He's giving us directions, trying to help us out, and it's like... Or, or he's a whack job and slices his palm open and marks the veins, the yeah. wounds. And that's why I was just kind of like, this movie is such a mess. Uh, yeah. I mean, none of the, f- the following uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre films have been scary after the first film. None in this none in this run of the franchise. The, the original four, but okay, let let's just talk in earnest about the franchise overall because we we've watched the original. Because after this, they reboot the franchise because they yeah. know it's over. They yeah. can't rev, they can't revive this. They can't yeah. bring any of it back. Yeah. Where did it go wrong? By making a sequel. Yo, you just blatant. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy the second film after, you know, having time to stew and think about it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I love Chop Top. But I think kind of like we were having this conversation about the Halloween franchise. Yeah. Where it was such a success, you know, knocked it out of the park and all the studios were like, you need to make a second one. And John Carpenter was like, no, I want to leave it as kind of like a standalone film. But, you know, studios don't listen. So they went and they made, you know, all these sequels. And it was just like, I think it would have just had been, you know, the ultimate scare to keep it as the only film where it's just a random guy. Yeah. And with the original Texas Chainsaw film, it would have been, you know, just as scary if, you know, yeah, it's this random family that people just happen to encounter if they go to this gas station or they pick up this hitchhiker and you're never seen again. And then to progress the story of, you know, okay, we're joining, you know, chili cook-off challenges across Texas, or uh, the Saw's family in part four, or the Illuminati in part four, sorry. Saw's family in part three. Yes, yeah. It's... (laughs) Because there's never really a storyline that's written with each film where we see the progression of time and, you know, how things are changing and evolving. Kind of like what we're seeing with the new Halloween reboot, where, you know, we're seeing the same story progress and how time has changed things. And this one, it's just like, they're all standalone films. And it doesn't really feel cohesive. Yeah, I think that's that's the main issue with this franchise, is there's just no meat for sequels. There's nothing Mm -hmm. to to chew on. Yeah, because I mean, Sally survives in the first one. But in the second film, they already say that she was comatose. Yeah. And then in the third film, she died from her injuries or whatever. Or yeah. her, you know, her spirit just gave up and she let herself die. Something like that. It's like, you know, had they kind of made her a final girl like Laurie Strode, where Laurie Strode is just trying to live her life and Michael keeps coming back. Okay, we've got some meat on the bone. But with this, it's just like, but that's the thing. Leatherface doesn't have that mythos. Yeah. And that's the problem. There's there's not... This doesn't have mythos. Yeah. Like, that's the biggest issue with this franchise as a whole, is out of the first film, 
it's just there are these crazy rednecks in the middle of nowhere that eat people. Yeah. End of story. They have a granddad that's like ancient. They feed him blood to keep him alive. Mm-hmm. They used to work in a slaughterhouse. One of them owns a gas station and he sells human flesh out of it. The other one's a crazy hitchhiker you think is like a nom vet. Yeah. Kind of. And then you have the big oaf who butchers people in the house and doesn't go out a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, where are you going after that? Because it's a whole family unit. Mm -hmm. One of them dies at the end of the movie. And any room for sequel is like, well, we'll just follow Leatherface doing the exact same thing. And then they're like, well, we don't want to do the literal exact same movie. So they make two. And then they realize, well, two's not... Not where we want to go either. And then they're like, okay, we'll go with three, which is the traditional slasher sequel, which was just bland. Yeah. And then they're like, we'll go in a whole new direction. And then they make four. And that is not a direction they wanted to go down. It, no. It, it just, yeah, it, I, I think I, I 100% agree with you. The, the movies, the franchise's main flaw is that there's more than one movie in the franchise. Yeah. Ah. Uh. But that first movie, though. Kino. Kino. Mwah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. Mwah. Masterpiece of cinema. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 is... 80s Kino. It's pretty decent for what it is as a cheesy 80s movie. I mean, let sure. alone, you know, they carry around the hitchhiker with them. And it's so it's, obviously it's, a puppet. It's so funny, I'll, though. I'll give... Look, look. I ain't gonna tell you it's a good movie. I'll say it's a, it's on its own own merits it's fine yes then you have texas chainsaw leatherface texas chainsaw massacre 3 bland as can be you bite into it and it tastes like paper but at least it's not texas chainsaw massacre for next generation texas chainsaw massacre next generation return of texas chainsaw massacre whatever the fuck title this movie is this movie is a disaster so bad so bad is this the worst film we have watched on the podcast? It might be. Because, I mean, we haven't seen the Netflix one. And I've heard people horrified of that one. That movie's awful. Yeah, and that's why I'm kind of like, I'm wondering if maybe that's the worst Texas Chainsaw film, even though they kind of have him looking more like a butcher character in that one. I mean, the la- the mask looks... All fucked up. Yeah, it looks all sorts of fucked, but... I don't know. I think this might be one of the worst films. And it's sad because Leatherface is, you know, a horror icon. I I love the character. I'm afraid of the character. Mm -hmm. But it's just, yeah, the movie is just so all over the place that it's just like, I can't really follow along with what's going on in the story. Yeah. And you know what? That's, That's another thing about this franchise, the character. Is Leatherface is an icon based off of one movie. Yeah. Every other movie after that has done everything in its power to demystify Leatherface mm-hmm. and and drag that that iconography through the dirt. Like, like again, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger. They are they're the they're the trinity. Yeah. They are the trinity of slashers. No mm-hmm. one's gonna argue. You can't put anybody else up there. Nope. Like yeah, like. The Halloween franchise has a bunch, has like a bunch of shit in it. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of garbage. 
But it never fell out of the public consciousness. Mm. There was always one every couple of years. The first movie's a masterpiece. Yes. The second one's actually pretty decent. It's all right. Yeah. You don't like the second one? Uh, you know what? I'm going to err on your side. I haven't seen the second one in, like, forever. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it, too. But, yeah, it's all right. I mean, I really liked what the new franchise that we have, how the first film in it rebooted the whole he's a stranger to her. Yeah. It's not, you know, oh, they're related, you know, it, it's a family thing. It's just, no, this just happens to be a person that saw her. And wants to get, get the fuck out of her. Yeah, so it's like, that's more scary than, you know, oh, it's a family member that has an issue. Which is also scary. But it's a different kind of scary. It's a different kind of scary, but just to have, you know, you just happen to have this encounter with somebody that you don't see. And this person is after you, your entire life, basically. Up until you're you know dead up yeah up until you're dead and i think that's kind of you know what this movie or this franchise needs where you know there's two characters you know just the, the unkillable one and the killer that just you know can't hit his target it, but that's the thing like i think that's that's what i was bringing up with freddy jason michael mm -hmm. it's they're the icons because they have an internal mythos continuity they have they have a world yeah. Jason, yeah, there's not a main character that survives past a, a single movie. No, we go to Jason movies to see Jason. Exactly. It's like, we don't care, you know, who who's the survivor. It's like, we want to see what cool things he does with his machete. And the Jason movies are the same movie over and over again. And his costume does change throughout time because, you know, he's dead. He's brought back to life. He's a zombie. Well, he's and, always been a zombie. And I but. think that's the thing. The Jason movies or the Friday the 13th movies have have that internal continuity and it's like oh the character of jason evolves and as you watch the movies you see everything change it's the thing where you turn the dial a, a real slowly for the crazy to get turned up and that's what the friday 13th movies are they get crazier and crazier as they go on but you like that because it's dipping into a nice a nice warm bath that's starting to heat up yeah the nightmare on elm street movies are super imaginative the halloween movies are iconic and they're crazy and it's like doing lines of coke trying to make up what the fuck that timeline is but texas chance of massacre has none of that no it doesn't have a bulk of movies that you see the progression of the character is not very imaginative mm -mm. really in a good way and it's not crazy weird enough for you to Again, do lines of coke and try and make sense of the Michael Myers timeline. Yeah, and of the slashers, Robert Unglund has, you know, the only slasher where it's him continuously through... Through all, all through, the films. Through his franchise, except for the the standalone reboot Re that they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, we stick with our horror icons and it's like, okay, the movie's probably not going to be that great, but I've got to see it because I love this icon. And with this one, it's just like, yeah, we should have just stayed with the first film. And that's okay if it's just a one and done, because it's an amazing one and done. True. Very true. The And that's kind of the sad reality of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. It's a one-movie franchise. Yeah. I know I, I have a friend who says Halloween is a one-movie franchise. Halloween's not a one-movie franchise. None of the movies in... The Halloween canon are as close to as bad as Texas Chainsaw Next Generation. No. I mean, I'm, you know, avid Halloween fan. I'm wearing my Haddonfield shirt right now. Um, but, 
Yeah, if they hadn't done all the movies and we just had the one and the reboot that we're getting right now, I'd be totally cool with that. Because it would be a cool thing to see, you know. A real 40 years later. Yeah, a real 40 years later and seeing Lori trying to adapt to life after, you know, this whole ordeal. But, That doesn't, yeah, that's not the world. It's like, no, it's not the world. And, you know, I love the films in between. They're not my favorite, but I will sit there and I will marathon through them. I love H2O. Yeah, it's, I know you love H2O. Even though the, the mask is just like, what is going on? It's CGI. It's so god-awful. But it's just, it's such a good movie. It's got ties in with Psycho. And I think that's the thing. Like, through all these franchises, like Halloween, yeah, some of the movies are, are bad to, like, mediocre. But none of them are this bad. Mm-hmm. None of them go off the rails as hard. Yeah. At worst, they're boring. Yeah. This has a boring film, a crazy film, and an awful film. Yeah. But that's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, everybody. Yeah, and it was interesting to go through the rest of the franchise. I kind of broke my rule of I'm not going to watch anything but the original. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of glad that I know what has happened throughout the franchise, even though it's not the same storyline. <laughs> yeah, and and sorry if I'm I'm sorry if I'm being Debbie Downer about it, but it's like I loved this franchise as when I was younger mm-hmm. because I didn't like cuz I thought Next Generation, oh that movie was hilarious. Oh, it's like a black comedy. It'll be fun. And I watched it and I'm like, "No, this movie's bad." Yeah, I don't think it made me laugh at all. I I did laugh when Darla started smacking Heather with a stick. Oh, trying yeah. to kill her and just and just couldn't. That was so ridiculous. That was the like the weakest hits with a stick I've ever seen. Just and that's kind why of it like was funny. Eh, eh. They're just like, what are you doing? If you're gonna hit her with the stick and leather, you know, leather. Sorry, Heather is laying on the floor like, please don't hit me. It's taking me all this energy to crawl out of the house. And Darla's just like, yeah, let me whack you a couple times in the head with the stick. I'm like, what's that gonna do? Oh, it's oh. gonna get us out of this movie. Yes, it is. So next month, new month, new theme. Uh, next month is Dean's birthday. So he's taking over the entire month of September. Yes, I am. Dean's finally given the reins. I'm going to uh, program this entire next month and in honor of my birthday. And also to tie in with us leading into the Halloween season, I'm going to pick a director. One of my favorite directors, who is also a master of the genre film, who is made probably some of the greatest horror films ever at least of the last 50 years is he near and dear to my heart very near and dear to your heart but we're not going to watch the your favorite movie of his we're gonna watch mine but we're gonna be watching john carpenter's filmography i'm excited not the whole filmography we're going through the run which is this 10 year run of films that john carpenter had and or these 10 films he had and they are just bangers after bangers after bangers it's solid gold it's solid gold it's it's a solar precinct 13 all the way to they live you in in there you get halloween you get the fog you get the thing you get starman you get big trouble little china you get you get all these films john carpenter really does have a golden track record oh yeah and in from in the 1980s but that's what we're gonna watch and the first film we're going to watch for next month, for my five weeks of of John Carpenter, we're going to be watching Assault on Precinct 13. The first I, film of the run. I'm excited. I've never seen this movie before. 
Really? Yeah, and there's a couple films in this upcoming month I haven't seen, so I can't wait. I am so excited because Assault on Precinct 13 is like one of the best like siege movies it is so good yeah i've heard a lot of good things about it so i'm not i'm not even worried you know oh man is it gonna be boring is it gonna be like no i'm excited to watch it on the lowest of keys uh like five minutes before we were gonna start recording i'm like i wonder if i should switch over and do the last five films of the texas chainsaw massacre franchise i think you would have killed me I think you might have actually, that would have actually broken you and you might have strangled me if I made you watch the remake and the remake prequel. No, you just would have had to buy me a lot of Dr. Pepper to get me through this. <laughs> Sponsor us, Dr. Pepper. We're waiting. Please. But uh, if you would like to follow us and maybe if you want to try and sponsor us, where can they go? Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. You can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That's The Film Vault on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, and uh, we upload a video at least once every week, so come and check us out. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at The Film Club Podcast, where we post upcoming episodes we're going to drop, uh, trivia, our adventures, and a lot more things. And with that, Miss Boo, we'll see you next week at The Film Club. Have a good week, everybody. 